0: Good morning, saints. Good morning, morning, sinners. What a great song service, Chase. Amen? Amen. Uh, It is a pleasure uh, to worship the Lord with you this morning. And I just, again, if you're a visitor with us, we're thrilled that you're here. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Encounters with Christ. And this morning, uh, we're talking about approaching God. Coming into the presence of God. Before I go much further, Charlene and Dixie, we're thrilled that you're back with us. Uh, Everybody give them a round of applause. We're glad they've been out for a while with health issues, and we're thrilled that they're here with us. And Robert and Susan, we're glad that you're visiting with us this morning also. Well, our, uh, our story, our encounter can be found in both Matthew and Mark. And we'll pull details from both this morning. Uh, but mainly we'll be with Mark's account of this. A little bit of backstory: Jesus has been giving uh, the disciples a look into what the kingdom of heaven and it breaking into the world. And he has been talking with religious leaders of the day and redefining for them What is clean and unclean. And he's been giving them a look at him coming into the world to fulfill all law. And they're getting an idea of just exactly what he's talking about. And there is where we will start our story this morning. So read along with me and let's just soak this story up together. Jesus left that place. And went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, Let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. We can learn a lot just from these first few three verses. First, we can learn that Jesus has moved out of his normal uh, Judean-Galilean ministry area. And now he's moved into Phoenicia, specifically somewhere around the city of Tyre. to to get some rest, or or maybe even to spend a little bit of alone time with his disciples. But that doesn't work. This woman comes running to him. This woman's child is demon-possessed. Matthew tells us that she was cruelly possessed. We know her gender. We know that she's Hellenistic, that she's a Greek in, in culture. Uh, Matthew says that she's a Canaanite woman you remember Canaanites are the natural enemies of the Israelites when they came to the promised land they were told to annihilate get rid of Canaanites so for all of their all of their Jewish ancestry and all of their life Canaanites are just natural enemies to the Jews uh, she lives in, in uh, the area of of the 10 tribes of Asher. She lives in that area, in the region of Syria. Timothy Keller says that there are, and you, you, got, you parents will appreciate this, there are cowards, there are reg, regular people, there are heroes, and then there are parents. Parents really don't care uh, they, they're not on that spectrum of, from cowardice to, to courage because they do whatever it takes, right, to keep their child safe, to help their child. Throw out all your virtues and all your personalities. You'll do whatever it takes to take care of your children. Amen? So you can relate to this woman today. Matthew says she throws herself at Jesus' feet and begins to beg. And this is the present progressive, meaning she keeps on begging. A matter of fact, the disciples in Matthew's account asked Jesus, "Can you just send her away? She keeps begging. She keeps going on begging. But there's no stopping this woman, Phyllis, because she is desperate for her child as a parent. Now, when you first read Jesus' reaction, you might be tempted to say, well, I think Christ is being uh, degrading here, mean-spirited, maybe even racist. Can I tell you, any time that you read Christ like that, any time you interpret Christ like that, you're reading him wrong. You're not getting what he's saying. First, in this, I got to tell you that we lose something in the translation. Because the Greek word here for dog is not dog, it's the diminutive, it's puppy. So, what he's, she is saying, Christ is saying here, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the puppies. Can I tell you that wars and battles and disputes have been been and are still being launched because of the wrong way to interpret Jesus Christ? Can I tell you that any time that you are degrading, you are mean-spirited, and you are being racist, that that is never the righteousness of God? Amen? This is a parable. This is a metaphor. This is a simile. And she of all people, she may very well be the first person to ever hear a parable of Christ and get it before it is explained uh, to others. What Christ is saying to the Syrophoenician woman is, please understand... There's an order to things. I'm going to go to Israel first. I'm going to fulfill all prophecies first. I'm going to my family first. And then I'm going to the Gentiles, to all nations. What she says next is incredible, it's remarkable. Christ even says as much in verse 29. For all the knowledge that the Jews have, for all the people that have been around Jesus and should get it, she's the first one to recognize his divinity and to hear what he is saying through the parable. In Matthew's account in 522, she calls him Lord and the Son of God. Strange that this This Syrophoenician woman, this Canaanite woman, recognizes the divinity of God before anyone else. Her reply is just as metaphorically filled as his statement. Timothy Keller in his book, uh, Jesus the King, which I think Mike used this morning uh, for his thoughts, uh, replies that she, she is saying, Yes, Lord, but even the puppies eat from what comes from the table too, and I'm here for mine. Yes, I understand I, I'm not from Israel. Yes, I understand uh, that, that, that I'm not an Israelite, but I understand who you are. I understand uh, that I don't worship Yahweh that you worship. I, I don't have a place at the table right now. And I accept that, but I'm here for a blessing for my child anyway. So what can we learn from this story? First, number one, this is rightless assertiveness. Uh, This is something we know very little about, uh, Levi, because we're Americans. We, We come and we say, I want X because of my rights. My ownership, my work, my efforts. I want it because I'm entitled because of my uh, citizenship. Give me what I deserve because of my goodness. But this is totally different. This is her coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, give me what I don't deserve based on your goodness. And I need it now. James Edward, a theologian, writes of this. She appears to understand the purpose of Israel, Messiah, Israel's Messiah better than Israel does. Her pluck and her persistence are a testimony to her trust and her sufficiency and surplus of Jesus. His provision for the disciples and Israel will be abundant enough to provide for one, such as herself. What irony, he writes. Jesus seeks desperately to teach his chosen disciples, yet they are dull and uncomprehending. Jesus is reluctant to even speak to a walk-on pagan woman, and after one or two sentences, she understands his mission and receives his unambiguous commendation how is this possible? The answer is, this woman is the first person in Mark to hear and understand a parable of Jesus. That she answers Jesus from within that parable is in the terms which Jesus addresses her. That indicates that she is the first person in the gospel to hear the words of Jesus. Number two this is the condition and the function we should all come to Christ she bows she begs and she's persistent we should all come before the Lord humbly James 4 and 10 says humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up you see she humbles herself by bowing first and then after she bow. Bows, she begs. Paul says to the Philippians, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. She bows. She begs. And she keeps on. She's persistent. Jesus tells this wonderful parable in Luke 11, verses 5 through 8, about this poor man who has a visitor in the middle of the night, and he can't feel his obligation to feed him. So he goes to his wealthier friend, and he knocks on the wealthier's friend door, and he says, give me some bread. I need some bread. I've had some visitors come in and I can't practice hospitality with them because I don't have enough bread. Will you come to the door? And the wealthier friend says, I'm sorry. I've already put my children down for the night. I've already locked the door. I'm already in bed. But the poor friend just keeps knocking and keeps persisting. And finally, The man gets up out of bed, comes to the door, and gives him what he needs to fulfill his obligation for hospitality, to be hospitable. Jesus tells this parable and then says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus goes on and says, If then, if you are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, then how much better is God, who is perfect? And he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you will just ask him. So she bows. She begs. And she persists. This is the condition and the function we should all come to Christ in. Number three, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Martin Luther King was moved and amazed. Excuse me, Martin Luther King just rolls off the end of your tongue sometimes. Martin Luther was amazed at this story he says this is the gospel and he's got it right doesn't he think about it Jesus comes near we come with afflictions that we can't heal and Jesus makes right what is wrong John says, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that the gospel in a nutshell? Christ has drawn near to us. And we come to him with things that we can't solve, mainly our sin. And he makes right every wrong that we commit. So, I've asked you each Sunday through this series, and we'll continue. Have you encountered Christ? This morning, how do you approach Jesus? Humbly, respectfully, laying your burdens at his feet and asking for him to provide you with what you can't possibly be providing. Jesus Christ tells the woman, for such reply you may go the demon has left your daughter i ask you this morning what demons are still in your life what have you not been persistent about to ask god to heal maybe you've never confessed jesus christ as lord and savior maybe you've never put him on in baptism uh, Maybe you're not living that life that you once committed to that now you need to return to. Whatever it is, the church stands here today to help you. The elders will be at the back of the church. I will stand here as we sing this song. For whatever spiritual need you have, won't you come as we stand and we sing?